Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. And welcome to episode 155 of Geek Town Radio. This week I have with me Bex. Hello, how are you doing today? I'm all right, how are you? Yeah, I'm enjoying this beautiful spring weather we're having. How are you? <laughs> yes, uh, it does seem to have taken a turn for the worst again. Uh, I'm, I'm very well. I've had a fairly busy week with uh, just various TV shows and other things coming up. So um, what have you been up to? Well, before the sky decided to open and winter decided to do a third round, around us um, <laughs> yeah. I went out and did some things in the real world um, mm. I went to the DC exhibition the Dora yes. Supos exhibition at the O2 which I did a video and a write up um, which is on geektown.co.uk and that was really wonderful I have to say I was seriously impressed it's the same place in the O2 that they had the Star Wars exhibition the other year right? and they had such an incredible collection of artwork props costumes from kind of the history of the main characters of DC and it was organised a character per room so that you could see the evolution of a character in, in each room and they had some stuff I couldn't believe they had like the original Wonder Woman costume designs the fashion sketches with the fabric swatches still stuck to them <laughs> and wow. things things like that um, and the art seeing the artwork up close and all the production stuff for, for the movies is absolutely beautiful loads of covers as well the original kind of covers some of the action comics covers with you know the title cut out of one piece of paper and the illustration underneath <laughs> layered that they would have used as a basis to make the, the, the printed cover Amazing. Uh, you're just looking at pieces of history I could have stayed in there for hours Mm. I could have stared at the Alex Ross art, his watercolours, for about four hours on the oh, own, yeah. to be honest. Um, I really recommend it if anyone can go. It's until the 9th of September. And yeah, it's great. It's not so good for little, little kids. There's no interactive stuff. And a lot of the things are on the wall. They're a bit higher up. But, right. Uh, for kind of your seven, eight, nine and big kids like us, it's a, it's a really, <laughs> really good one. So that was lovely and sedate. Uh, less sedate was I went to Anvio, which is a new VR experience place in that, uh, Queensway. That that looks amazing. The video yeah, I, of that you did. I, I have to have to compliments to your cameraman for that because the video he did of that was brilliant. A steady cam was needed to follow me around as I constantly tried to hide behind my co <laughs> I know. From imaginary zombies. But yeah, and Vio are going to be bringing out 
more games. I think they already have another game out, which is a family friendly sort of um, fantastical space adventure type thing. But the first one is called City Z and it's a zombie shooter because, of course, you start with a zombie shooter. Of course. Um, 200 square meters, free roaming, four player virtual reality. It's just laser quest turned up to a million. Yeah. It, it looked, really, really it, is. It looked absolutely superb. There's a, a video for that. Have we put that on the site yet? I can't remember. But there's definitely a video on your YouTube channel, yeah. which is, is worth going to look. I think we put it on the site as well uh, somewhere. But it, if not, we'll sort it by the time this podcast goes live. <laughs> yes. Uh, but uh, it looks fantastic. Really, really interesting um, VR thing. I, I was truly impressed by that. I think they did a, a really good job. And it was value for money, I felt as well, because it cost the same as the, although very, very good Secrets of the Empire Star Wars one at the Void. That was 15 minutes. This had 11 levels of gameplay over about 40 minutes. Right. Okay. And this was completely free roaming. Um, yeah. Whereas the Star, the Star Wars one is more of an experience where you are walking around, but you're guided. Yeah. Um, you have to follow a certain path. And they did do some cool stuff at that one where they would, you, you know, they'd have some heaters pointed at you when you were going over a bridge over lava and things like that, which were kind of the 4D style stuff, which was very cool. But this one, you could just run around. Uh, apparently, yeah. they told me the staff have to stop at least one person a day from running into a wall. <laughs> Despite the fact there's markers everywhere and people around to try and stop you doing that. Apparently, about once a day, someone will just leg it <laughs> at a wall. And there's only so much that phone protection can do to stop someone going full pelt from imaginary zombies. Right. Yes. <laughs> but yes, very, very much worth it and um, very enjoyable and remarkably accurate tracking on the vr as well hand mm. and foot and weapon and body tracking yeah it does seem that was, that was superb cool. did seem really really good where whereabouts is that again that's at queensway in central london right okay one i uh, have to check out at some point yeah we'll have to make a team and we'll see if i can not just spend the whole time hiding <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. laughing at myself and hiding behind people and it was rather embarrassing after i'd laughed because i could hear the people go, who were playing before we went in and i was right. just sitting there being all like <laughs> well pathetic i I won't be doing that. I won't be screaming when I'm in there. I'm going to be really good at this. I was just glad we were the last people to play that day so nobody could be laughing at me. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, um, in the bit where it did start raining and I've been doing the sitting inside things some yeah. more, um, I've watched Suicide Squad Hell to Pay. Oh, yes. Uh, the new animated one. That's terrible, I'm afraid. <laughs> Um, yes. they're, they're, they're all trying to get a get out of hell free card, including numerous characters that in no way would care anything for such a trinket. Right. Um, the motivations of all the characters just didn't work for me and it kind of R-rated just for the point of it, just so they could have a bit more uh, blood in the violence. It didn't seem to add anything, but it wasn't over the top and ridiculous enough to be fun, like in an 80s action movie style. Right. It was going for plot, but the plot was boring, um, yeah. which, which was a shame. Much more entertaining, however, is a Batman Ninja. Yes, yes. I saw you'd done a video on this one. Yes, um, and we can put that up on, on Geek Town as well. But that is one of the most ridiculous things I think I've ever seen in my life connected to the <laughs> Batman franchise. <laughs> it was entertaining, and I think I used the word preposterous about four times in my review. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of an Elseworlds kind of version of Batman where where he's, he's back in sort of samurai history time, and they've transposed all the characters 
characters across. Yeah, uh, Gorilla Grodd has invented a time machine and accidentally sends all of the heroes and villains to feudal Japan. Right, yes. Where all the villains promptly take over different sections and then start a giant war and anything else would be spoilers. Even though there is basically no plot to this, it would spoil it to tell you what <laughs> happens. Visually, though, it's beautiful. I, right. Like, there are going to be cosplayers just fighting over the Blu-rays for this to yeah. see the costumes from all angles because the costumes are gorgeous, the animation's gorgeous, but it, it isn't really Batman. Yeah, yeah. Those sort of yeah. things tend not to be. But uh, yeah, interesting sounding uh, idea. And uh, yeah, like you say, it's, uh, anything that gives cosplayers more options for costumes is always a good thing. <laughs> it, it's it's beautiful, but beautiful, but preposterous. Um, and I, I recommend, but I don't necessarily recommend that it as one that you're going to rewatch and rewatch like you would sort of Dark Knight Returns or something like that. Yeah. It's more one you're going to watch once, be highly entertained, and that might be it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. But still, I was I was very grateful to be taken to go see that at Warner Brothers in London and see it sort nice. of cinema size because yeah. then you could really appreciate the artwork. Yeah. Uh, although we all left looking quite confused with weird smiles on our faces. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? Is that not enough for you, sir? <laughs> uh, I, I um, commentated a junior lightsaber championship yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. That's fantastic. How is your lightsaber training going? It's slower than I would like. I've been incredibly busy recently um, and seeing these kids fight just pointed out even more to me how much <laughs> I've got to learn because they, they could have kicked my hiney. Yes. Um, there's nothing like watching an eight-year-old with better moves than you. <laughs> no turning to the dark side and trying to murder younglings for you. You'd be slaughtered. <laughs> <laughs> There'd be no point in me trying. They'd, they'd just be like, you only know, I know three cuts. They know eight to ten and they can walk and cut, whereas I've not quite mastered walking and cutting. <laughs> yes. I, I'm so, more likely to strip over life. my own saver and chop my own feet off. Yeah, yeah. Coordination of an elephant. <laughs> <laughs> an elephant with a lightsaber. <laughs> oh dear. Well, um, for me, as any regular listener would know, we put out a uh, interview show last week. The reason for that being, I was out watching Bare Naked Ladies in concert. That's the band, not anything else. Uh, I was watching Bare Naked Ladies in concert in Birmingham last week um, on, on the Monday, where I got to go and meet the band. I, as anybody that's listened to long enough knows, I'm a huge fan of that band and I do the VIP thing each time they come round which gets you early access into all the gigs also gets you into the sound check and a meet and greet with the uh, the band themselves so they can sign things and get photos with them and stuff which is really awesome they're such such lovely guys if you don't know who Bare Naked Ladies are they're probably best known for there's a single called One Week and the other thing they're very well known for is doing the theme tune to the Big Bang Theory uh, so uh, but I have been a fan of them since I was 15 years old so you know i'm i'm huge huge fan of that band so uh, that was that was great if you ever get the opportunity to go and see them they are one of the f- best most fun energetic live bands you will ever see the gigs are just endless hours of fun and there's such lovely people there so it was a chance to meet up with a lot of people that you know i know from the message boards and that sort of thing so that was really great tv wise been a lot of finales this week uh, suits of course finished this week which uh, we got a a 
an early look at what Meghan Markle getting married looks like uh, in that episode. So as she uh, she got married and then promptly left the show on screen. Do you be watch Suits, don't you? I do. I'm a bit behind, though. Oh, sorry. Spoilers. Uh, <laughs> although, I, I think I could have guessed that one. I don't think that's... <laughs> although that news has been everywhere. But uh, yeah, so I I really like the, uh, the last episode. It seemed a little bit rushed how they were sort of ended it with them both leaving uh, because as has been publicised everywhere obviously we know Meghan Markle's leaving and Patrick's leaving but it seemed fair how they wrote them out it, it did seem a little bit rushed but you know I, I think we knew it was coming so I think that's fine uh, going to be interesting to see how things work moving forward they're already shooting the next season and I think it's back in June or July in the US there's not that much of a, of a wait before it returns again because they split the season in two and now we're getting it the day after on Netflix it's it's going to come round fairly quickly so um, they've they've always already been posting a few shots of Catherine Heigl who joins the show next season so they're obviously already filming so that I'm very much looking forward to see how I they just cope. want the adventures of Louis and his cat <laughs> yeah I think that'd be brilliant I, I mean you know Louis Louis still there Harvey's obviously still there so Donna they've they've introduced a few new characters as well it's going to be different without not so much without Megan but it is going to be obviously different without Patrick there but I think the show's strong enough to be able to move forward the writing's very strong on that show so I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with it next Legends of Tomorrow finished and that has definitely sealed its position as being my favourite out of the DC shows particularly with the last couple of episodes of this season I, I love the fact that it doesn't take itself particularly seriously certainly the final episode is hilarious so well written so entertaining it's it, it uses a gag which was sort of set up much earlier on in the season and brings it back for the finale and it's just brilliantly done there's so many pop culture references there was definitely some ghostbuster references in that final episode the episode before that went so meta it was just beautifully done when they uh, they went and visited john noble the uh, esteemed actor for for one scene and the reason for bringing him it bringing him him in it uh, w- was just beautifully done. I-, I can't recommend that show highly enough. I just amazing fun and uh, unlike sort of Flash, which gets a bit serious at times, and Arrow that gets a bit serious at times. I love the fact that they're not afraid to make fun of things in uh, Legends. Just superb. And the, the f- last two episodes, like I say, I really really enjoyed. I'm getting really behind on them. Actually, I mean, I gave up on Arrow. Mm. Flash, so much of it sort of became about Iris and yeah. the wedding and things. And I, I thought they laboured a lot of that. And I was just sort of like, oh, I just I just want the best adventures of Cisco and Gypsy at the moment. <laughs> yeah. And those kind of things. It's a weird one. I'm, yeah. I'm not quite as excited for Flash as I used to be. And I only watched the first season, or probably not even all of the first season of Legends back when it wasn't hadn't quite found its feet yet yeah and basically you, everyone just spends all their time shouting at me that that's the one i should be watching so you, i suspect a massive binge watch of legends will occur yeah i i think that's entirely right legends definitely 
definitely is the one you need to go back to because I I think the first season took a little while to find its feet but after that it's particularly this third season has just been superb and uh, Arrow's been better this season I think than it has previously they're getting a new showrunner for next season as well which I think can only help things even more Flash I think has been better this season than I've enjoyed it more than last season partly because of the fact that the villain this season hasn't been another speedster they finally went for a villain who was somebody else it has lost some of its shine I think but I'm still enjoyable I think Supergirl's still quite enjoyable Black Lightning also finished this week which I, I think that's a nice different take it's on on the DC shows not part of the connected Arrowverse at least not at the moment anyway and uh, I, it, it's different enough from the other shows to, to deserve a place and uh, you know they've all got renewed for next year so I'm looking forward to seeing them back Unreal finished as well this week week unreal is a show which on paper is not something that i would watch but i was completely hooked after watching the first episode of it and have been i think that's the third season now uh they've got fourth season coming up because it is basically about one of those big stupid american dating shows like the bachelor and it's behind the scenes of that and it's basically a show run by a bunch of very self-absorbed narcissistic people being fairly evil to a bunch of even more narcissistic people (laughs) it's it's just brilliant it's so well written it's a Marty Noxon series I adore Marty Noxon she's she's usually one of the uh, you know can't put a foot wrong in my book so I urge you to go and watch that it's on Amazon go watch the first episode and if it doesn't hook you fine but go watch the first episode and try it out because it's well worth getting through and I know it's not a show that I would expect anybody to go really a show about a, a reality dating show honestly it's so beautifully written and the characters are so well formed and twisted it has to be watched it's superb that's a show sometimes things are really enjoyable even though they're not in your normal comfort zone i always use sort of banshee as an example of that for me something that's that well written you just watch it anyway or revenge yeah i watched every single episode of revenge on the edge of my seat yeah Yeah, (laughs) and it's um it sounds completely ridiculous on paper but it was very well put together yeah and the other thing with unreal is one of the show's producers is somebody that used to produce one of those bachelor style shows and a lot of the incidents which you see on the show are genuinely taken from real life events which is incredibly disturbing once you see what actually <laughs> happens so um yeah go, but go and watch it it's it's quite brilliant that's on amazon three seasons of that on amazon now lost in space i completed as well uh, the, over the last couple of weeks not quite as good as it could have been but i still think was a very well put together series i think it, it, it had a little bit of pitching trouble in that it wasn't i mean i think it's 12 rated and sometimes it felt like it was aiming at a sort of younger end doctor who audience and sometimes it felt like it was kind of pushing up towards the 15 audience so i mean 12 is probably the right place for it, but it it just seemed a bit uneven in places. However, I think they did a very interesting job in a a slight twist on, on, you know, how the robot arrives, the story between the young Will, who is brilliant in the show, and the robot is uh, really nicely put together. That's almost a focal point for quite a lot of, of the show. My one criticism would be the evil Doctor character, who they've not quite got her right, you know, because I think with villains, you need to love to hate them. And with her, I just don't like the character at all. I find her annoying 
and I want somebody to stab her through the head every time she comes on screen. And I, it's, you know, don't beat about her bush, bush yeah. day and say what you mean. <laughs> I just I find I, I find her intensely irritating, and I know she's not supposed to be a likable character, but I think quite a lot of the time I, I think they've pushed that slightly too far. In that I I don't they find need to be one redeeming to watch. They yeah, still yeah. needs to be engaging and enjoyable to watch them, even if you don't like them. I I, I haven't watched Lost in, Lost in Space. I saw the trailers for it and things, and I just wasn't quite sure who it was for and what it was going for, or why we needed a Lost in Space remake at all. Yeah, and I, it sounds like you're kind of confirming my worries there, and you might have watched it for me quite kindly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have to say, I I would say it is worth watching. Uh, mm-hmm. The first episode, you won't get grabbed by probably it takes a couple two or three episodes to to find its feet but it is very very enjoyable but as i say the 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 one the uh, evil doctor character i have trouble with i don't think she's as well written as she needs to be i will be interested to see how that goes moving forward what they do with that westworld obviously came back as well i haven't watched the second episode yet because we're recording this on the monday and i haven't had time yet but uh, westworld thoroughly enjoying it came back uh, with a bang i won't go into a huge amount of details here but if you want to know more on my thoughts of westworld Westworld. We are recording a reviewing Westworld podcast, which goes out on entertainmenttalk.org on uh, Wednesdays. I think that goes out. So if you want to hear all our thoughts on Westworld, me and Matt are doing that. And uh, you can go and listen to the Westworld podcast. The other show that's popped up on Netflix this week is Happy, which I've very much been looking forward to. This is an adaptation of a Grant Morrison comic book. I really enjoyed the first episode of this. I haven't got around to watching any more of it. I just haven't had time. But uh, uh, it's wonderful, not really what you'd expect from a sci-fi series, very much closer in the vein to something like Preacher in terms of its sort of weirdness and violence, but uh, thoroughly, thoroughly worth watching. Do you know the comic book for this? Yeah, I do. And I'm amazed it managed to get a green light to get a series made at all. Yeah, me too. Um, I'm very, very happy about the whole situation. I'm very happy about Happy. Um, when it popped up on the Netflix, I was just like, yay, finally. <laughs> I've been waiting for this since they announced it. I'm really, really enjoying the fact that the more kind of out there and less shiny, family, family friendly comics are getting picked up for adaptations now. It's the kind of the really good side. Yeah. People sort of do make complaints sometimes about oh, comic book movies or these things are becoming mainstream and it's getting watered down. And it's like, well, no, also we're getting TV series for things like Preacher and Happy. Yeah. So there's clearly an appetite growing as well for a lot of these other things and uh, which are sometimes a lot darker, a lot less mainstream. Yeah, and some st- some stuff I thought we'd never ever get adaptations for at all in the, in the works. Um, Umbrella Academy was the one other one we talked about like ages ago now. Yeah, um, and think things like that is really great to see. The other thing I've seen some of um, I was on a an American podcast to review it, so I don't actually know if it's come out over here or not. Which is the Krypton TV series? No, it hasn't landed here yet. Nobody seems I've to have seen picked the it first up. five episodes. Ah, okay. Of that because they sent over a, like a, a screener password thing to um oh cool to, to watch them and i wasn't quite sure what i was going to make
remake of Krypton because all the characters are teenage. Right. And it's a prequel set on Krypton with yeah. none of the main cast. And the main premise is somebody from Earth has time traveled to Krypton uh-huh. to warn them that everything's going to get destroyed. Right. And a big bad is on the way that's going to destroy Krypton and going to change the timeline. Uh-huh. And I hate those kind of plot lines. <laughs> um, I put up with it in Flash yeah. because it's Flash. But uh, I, that as a thing is just, you know, it um, goes back in time to save a hero not yet born and person versus evil version of same person are my two least favorite <laughs> comic yeah. book style lines and it's using one of those and all the characters are teenage and it is a little bit teenage right it is a little bit angst with a bit of Romeo and Juliet love going on between some people and this and that and the other um, but it's also an incredibly interesting world with absolutely stunning like mise-en-scene world building and all the politics for Krypton and um, there's kind of an almost cult like they're kind of a government but they're sort of just taking control that demand quite obedience and they have this really firm caste system System. And if you haven't got one of the crests, then you're just a nobody and you're in yeah. these kind of cyberpunky style slums. And the world is stunning. And the, the acting is is really like quite awesome. The casting seems pretty good. Costuming, action as well. It's all quite amazing. Um, it's it's just that kind of, it's a little bit teenage that right. I have problems with. <laughs> it's a little bit like Smallville right. in some ways, yeah. but with like five million times the budget and a much right. more interesting setting. Because your primary cast are the teenagers, mm. I do feel like the the adult cast are more interesting to me than some of the main cast. And they have got that slightly American teen drama-y feel, which <laughs> I struggle with. Showing but your age. <laughs> I struggled with it when I was a teenager. It's fine. <laughs> I didn't like boy bands either, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, but the world that they've set up is very, very intriguing. The political situation and the fact that there's kind of a terrorist organization plaguing Krypton. They took some unexpected things with it. And I mean, I'm still watching it. It's technically kind of teen drama and I'm still watching it after five episodes. Okay, So that means that it could be really good. It's certainly worth watching a few episodes when it finally does get picked up and come out over here just for the the kind of the production values and things. Mm. Um, Because it is an interesting one, but I I really, really just wish it wasn't a teen drama. (laughs) I can kind of feel the hormones coming out the pixels on my screen sometimes uh, yeah speaking of things that you weren't sure about before before watching them the last thing we should mention is uh, venom obviously got a trailer this week have you watched this trailer about six times there you go um, <laughs> so i mean when they announced that they were going to do a venom movie which wasn't going to be attached to spider-man starring tom hardy and you kind of like go well yeah I don't know whether this is a good idea. I don't know, you know, because it's it's Venom, but it's not. It's not Spider-Man. It's not connected to the wider MCU. But then it's got Tom Hardy in it, and you kind of think they must be doing something right to attract him to this franchise. Uh, so I I don't know. And I was I was very kind of I'm not sure about this. Watch the trailer though. Really impressed with what they've done with it. I think it's a really interesting, slight sort of different take on Venom with kind of creating him as an anti-hero which i mean i don't know my marvel comic books i don't know whether that's how he's now portrayed in the comic books as well because i've only ever known him really yeah, as a he's villain been portrayed but... in a, a few different ways in the yeah. comic books and there's a few kind of other versions i'm trying to remember the name of another version that's kind of got armor right, okay. but there are a few different versions of him and there's always been the sense venom he's not you know usually a, a full hero but no 
is much more relatable in a lot of ways than Carnage, for right, example. Yeah. Carnage yeah. is always portrayed as the one that's just chaos and pure evil and will do what he likes and mm. is happy to kill for no reason. Venom was always a little bit more, when I say complicated as a character, Carnage is one of my favourite <laughs> <laughs> in a world, but that's just me. Um, but yeah, he always had these kind of other layers and different comics and different writers have sort of used him in slightly different ways. Mm. This is probably the, the most far from the origins for him. Yeah. But it isn't completely not connected to the comics um, yeah. in some ways. But I think you, I think always if you're going to take one character and completely separate them from the rest of the cinematic universe for that world, you have to make some quite big drastic changes. Um, yeah. I think that the original teaser trailery type thing they put out, I don't think that helped them. Right. Because yeah, we all no. watched it and we, none of us liked it. Nobody liked it. And then this one came out. And as soon as we saw mm. Venom yeah. and heard him say, you know, why would we do that? Yeah. They, they should have used that as their teaser. Just like, you know, 10 seconds because now everyone's just like, oh my God, a lot of people complaining he doesn't look right because his eyes are too small. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> but I'm kind of like, if they had the eyes that big and emoted them, yeah, it yeah. might look a bit too Spider-Man-y and it might look a bit too kind of cute and funny. Yeah. I can see why they've gone for the slightly more villainous looking eyes if they've made him slightly more heroic in character. Um, yeah. But yeah, people were actually com- complaining about the way he looks. So as, apart from the size of the eyes, he's spot on. Yeah. I, I think that's some serious, nice CGI. And I'm yeah. now excited about yeah. it. No, I I am definitely as well. I think that they did a really good job with that trailer. It has definitely got me excited for the film much more than either the teaser or any of the information that I saw before. I I think it's really could be a very interesting looking movie that. So um, yes, I've gone from very much from being I'm not really particularly bothered about this to to being quite excited to go and see it. So uh, yeah, we'll be looking out for that one. I think it comes out at the end of the year or early next year. I can't remember, but uh, not soon enough. No, it's not very soon. So that's all the stuff we've been doing this week. Let's move on to some TV and film news. So we start off the TV and film news this week with uh, what we usually call air date updates, but in actual fact, this week is mostly renewals and cancellations. Amazon has renewed their Jack Ryan series, which actually doesn't come out until like the autumn for season one, but they've already renewed it for a second season, which uh, is is a fairly good sign that they, they think they're on the right track for it, I would think. Uh, that and the fact that it stars John Krasinski, who's just had a massive hit with uh, The Quiet Place. So um, yeah, I mean, are you excited for a Jack Ryan series? I know very little about it. I okay. need to do some Googling. Jack Ryan uh, being the character that uh, has been played by numerous people from Hunt for Red October and Clear and Present Danger. So, you know, he's... Uh, the... Many things I have not seen. Yes, yes. Same character in various different books. It's part of a book series. So this is a sort of prequel to all the films and everything starring John Krasinski. They've they've renewed that already for a second season before a first season. Billions has been renewed for a full season which is great news although not unsurprising because that's an amazing series Dave Channel has renewed Zapped and Porters I watched a couple of episodes of Zapped which just seemed very very silly as a show it's a sort of a guy gets travel travels to alternative dimension which is full of kind of magic and goblins and that sort of thing but it's, it stars one of the in-betweeners guys I can't remember you which one Zapped reminds me of go on the, the Maid Marion and her Merry Men children's <laughs> yes. thing yes I can see that entirely i've only watched a couple of episodes of it it's not something that i i was massively drawn to but uh i think it's on its third season 
now. So, you know, it's been going for, for a while. Porters, I didn't see any of, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, I'm I'm glad then that Dave is sticking with making original British comedies, whatever they are. You know, I, I think that's a good sign for them. CBS went on a renewal frenzy and renewed Bull Hawaii Five-O, MacGyver, Madam Secretary, Blue Bloods, NCIS New Orleans and NCIS LA. They've already renewed Big Bang, obviously, Young Sheldon, obviously, Mum, NCIS, the main series, SEAL Team and SWAT. The ones they haven't yet renewed are Criminal Minds, Alan Cummins' new drama, which is called Instinct, which is coming to Sky One soon. The hilariously funny Life in Pieces, which I'm, I'm really surprised isn't getting a bigger audience in the US. Scorpion and Kevin Can Wait are the ones that have not yet been renewed. Any of those you are particularly interested in? Due to all the inaccuracies with technology, I hope Scorpion isn't renewed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I know you're not I a particular say, fan of that show. That I sort of me twitch every time I watch it. In the very first episode, they managed to drive a car at the speed of a plane that's trying to land and yeah. plug two computer systems in from the car to the underneath of the plane and then hack it and do the it. <laughs> I was just sort of sitting there sort of repeatedly kind of hitting my head on the desk. Yes, there is, there is sort of willing suspension of disbelief and just ridiculous. So. Well, they start every episode by saying it's all based on real life. Oh, God. Which just yeah. no, it makes no, it's very not. hard to suspend my disbelief when they, they say that. If they didn't say that and if they said, this is ridiculous, just go with it, it's fun. Because yeah. some of the characters I really like. There's a mechanic lady, um, she might be called Happy or something, and she's I really like her character. Mm. And there is some good things in it, mostly the interactions between the characters and those relationships. But just every time they do a mission, I'm just sitting there going, ah, no. <laughs> you could be doing something cool, but at least 1% plausible. Yes. Um, NCIS I like as well. I've always liked NCIS, the original. Yes, I've never watched really any of the NCISs. Uh, I am quite happy they're in Bull. I like Bull quite a lot. As as legal procedurals go, I think it, that's really good. I, I'm amazed they're bringing Hawaii Five-O back, although I think part of the reason for doing that is, is that they also have a Magnum PI series in the works, which is looking very likely to get picked up, and MacGyver and, they, uh, and the NCIS, I think it's NCIS LA, all share a sort of shared universe so I think part of the reason particularly for bringing Hawaii 5.0 back will be that they're likely to pick up Magnum which of course is also based in Hawaii so Hawaii 5.0 had got so choppy the writing like the characterization the characters would just keep changing motivations and would go from being like really hard and tough to really kind of weepy and emotional for different episodes as it suited the plot and then they stopped writing plots for a bit I don't know if it's recovered since then but I I gave up over a season ago yeah no it's, it's not particularly it, it, it sort started of started off so well. Yeah, it's it's just it's been going for what twelve seasons or something stupid yeah, at this point. So I, I I think they they are beginning to run a little bit out of steam. But I do find them very watchable. I, I think they're prepping to bring it to an end at some point in the next few seasons. I suspect, but uh, or at least to switch up the cast quite majorly. Because I mean, Scott Kahn is doing less episodes so he can spend more time in LA with his family. Uh, he's done that for the last few seasons the uh, lead actor whose name actually escapes me the guy that plays McGarrett wasn't originally going to come back and now he is because he was 
sort of having back problems and stuff he's now definitely coming back and feeling kind of fit for it but i do wonder whether they're going to start either wrapping that up or, or changing more of the cast out to refresh it a bit so that's back macgyver's back which i know is very popular bluebuds is fine as a sort of police procedural i think as well nothing particularly unexpected i don't think in there in terms of renewals gray's anatomy talking of not unexpected <laughs> has been renewed for a 15th season uh, jessica jones renewed for a third season then few things being axed Ash versus Easel Dead has been axed after three seasons and Bruce Campbell has said that is it for him. He's retiring Ash as a character so you won't see yeah. him back in anything else. Which I'm uh, quite gutted about that but it's Bruce Campbell's choice and if he's feeling that he doesn't want to play that character anymore yeah. that's the that's quite rightly the end of it. Yeah. I just yeah. have to keep re-watching the series as we have got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Aaron Paul's US drama The Path has been axed by Hulu after three seasons. That's on Amazon over here but I've never actually watched it. Uh, Ghost Wars, which was, I think, Simon Barry who did Continuum. It was his new series. That's been axed after one season on uh, Sci-Fi USA. That's on Netflix over here if you want to go and catch that one season. I haven't got around to watching that either, I'm sorry to say, but uh, the premise didn't particularly grip me compared to the premise of Continuum. Broad City, which is a comedy, I think, it's on Comedy Central over here. That's ending after its fifth season. Homeland, apparently, is going to end after its eighth season, according to Claire Danes although that's not official from the creators of the show so it's possible it could continue but it sounds like Claire Danes will be out after the eighth season that's it she's done I mean that's a show which potentially could continue with a different lead I think I mean although I love love Claire Danes in that role and I think she's brilliant at it it's got enough of a structure to it that as long as you kept some of the characters like Sol around you could potentially put another lead in and continue doing the series I guess I wouldn't be overly upset if they decided to end it with Claire you know leaving at season 8 either because there's always the danger if they put a different lead in that it's not going to be as good so I don't know we'll, we'll see but certainly it's the end of the road for her after se- uh, after 8 seasons whether the show continues we'll have to wait and see then a few pickups ABC has picked up the Goldberg's 90s spin-off the Russo Brothers show Deadly Class which is another comic book adaptation which is a another rather off-the-wall comic book adaptation that's been picked up by sci-fi us that's from the russo brothers the people that are doing infinity war and uh, Amazon have picked up a remake of Utopia, which is being written by the Gone Girl writer Gillian Flynn, with the blessing of uh, the original Utopia creator. So, uh, I mean, people are saying, oh, it's an American remake. Well, it sort of is, but then the show kind of got cut down and it's prime on Channel 4. So uh, the fact that it's a going to be a show with American money behind it I don't know I'm I'm in two minds about whether that's going to be a good thing or not Um, I think that it's one that bounced around there were a few different people rumoured to be picking it up for a remake there was one rumour at one point it might turn into a movie which I don't think would have worked No, but it being picked up by Amazon and everyone says very good things about the writing of Gone Girl um, I think that could work the current series was very very British, very London centric. Yeah. But if they transpose that with things that are 
the, you know, the equals from American culture. They pick an American city, but they keep it as dark as it is. Mm. I don't see a reason why it couldn't work with the right writing. Yeah. Um, it won't be the same. And I think it should almost be seen, hopefully, as like a alternate world version rather than a remake. Yeah. Because you couldn't remake it and no, no. change the location without changing so much that you're effectively making something that's nearly new. So I, I've, I've got hopes for it. And I did really want to see where it would go. And I like that really dark dystopian stuff. If they just make me another series that's completely different, but that's also got the same themes, but yeah. it's really good. I'd be yeah. quite happy with that. I mean, a lot of people have been up in arms about it. It was like, oh, you know, they shouldn't remake the these sort of things. I'm actually very much of the same opinion as, as you, is it got cut down too early, I think, by Channel 4 over here. So I've no real objection to them picking it up, particularly if the writing's good. Uh, I think the fact that it's Amazon allows them to be a bit more out there than they would be if it was on sort of, yeah, I'd be very worried if it had ended up on a network TV in the US, you know. Uh, it needed to be Amazon or Netflix or HBO or one of those sort of places to pick it up. So, uh, so yeah, I I don't have a huge issue with it. I'm I'm prepared to give it a bit of a chance. But uh, yeah, it's that's going to be an interesting one to watch. I think. Yeah, because we have had good stuff come from collaborations. Because um, yeah. obviously one of my favourite series is ever that I don't totally go on about all the time was <laughs> BBC America and UK working together. Yes. That had a beautifully kind of dark dystopian tone to it. And it is completely possible. And especially if it's not on a mainstream channel being broadcast on a week by week basis, if it's put up all at once on Amazon and it can have the correct pacing and it's not under pressure to do things with cliffhangers or big dramatic endings mm. or, you know, I would have been very upset if it had been, you know, in a mainstream movie format where they needed to make it all come to a big satisfying crescendo yeah. with explosions yeah. which tends to be where a lot of these the American remakes that I felt haven't worked when they've taken sources from other countries tends to be because they're putting them into a formula which takes away from the quality of the narrative yeah yeah, but um, this this could be good. Yeah, I mean, I I I think this is it's the right place for it. It gives mm. them the flexibility that a show like that needs. And you know, Gillian Flynn. I I mean, I thought Gone Girl was absolutely brilliant. So you know, I think she's she's a good writer to be able to pick for this. And as I say, it has the blessing of the original guy. So we'll see what happens. But I I think that's a really good pickup for them. Uh, moving on to some other news, uh, Lauren Cohen, the lovely Lauren Cohen, who plays Maggie in The Walking Dead, has announced that she will be back for The Walking Dead Season 9. Originally, it wasn't clear in exactly what capacity. Deadline then reported that she's back for, I think at least six of the opening eight episodes in some capacity. The reason that if you've not been following this story, the reason that we didn't know whether she was coming back or not is there were contractual issues with uh, with them because they had to get the main sort of early cast to re-sign contracts. Andrew Lincoln and Norman Reedus have both re-signed. However, uh, as we've been discovering quite a lot over the last few months, the female cast members were being paid a hell of a lot less than the male cast members on various different shows, this being one of them. Lauren Cohen is, is billed as, I think she's the third billing cast member and was being paid substantially less than the other two. So this ended up with her wanting to renegotiate the contract for a bit more pay parity. Obviously, it being AMC, we're not wanting to pay her more money because they're a bunch of tight ones. While she was out of contract, took a lead in a pilot called Whiskey Cavalier, which ha as yet hasn't been picked up by ABC. Uh, it's an ABC 
show, but she took the lead in in that pilot, which makes sense because you know she's got to eat, she's got to work, and if she wasn't going to come back, if they couldn't sort this out, she needed to have a new job. It did lead to some interesting public support from the other cast members on social media, which led to Kari Payton, who plays King Ezekiel, posting a thing on Instagram with a picture of Lauren with just saying "Pay the woman." So uh, it was very made very clear it was about the money. It looks like some sort of deal has been now worked out with AMC. As I say, it sounds like she's going to be back at least for the first half of the season, which is important because the end of of Walking Dead ended with setting up a storyline which had Maggie kind of looking to go against Rick at the start of the next season. So uh, it, it needed to be resolved. Otherwise, that was going to be quite difficult and having to deal with that off screen if they couldn't have got her back. They have worked out a deal that if the pilot at ABC goes forward, she is going to be able to go and do the work on that and they'll have to share her in some way. So she's only committed to a limited number of episodes. Presumably that will mean they will either write her out after six episodes or she will come back and do bits and pieces as and when they need her. I mean, to be fair, they didn't use Maggie as a character all that much in the last season anyway. So I I don't necessarily see it as a problem if they pay her less and she comes back as a recurring character sort of moving on if she's doing another full-time gig i don't know how much you've watched of, of walking dead i know zombies aren't really your thing yeah I, I like trying to shoot them in vr more than i like watching them on screen yes <laughs> so i think this is this is probably good news for fans because at least we know she's coming back and they are going to be able to resolve that storyline that was set up at the end of the last season but whether she ends up staying there or whether she ends up getting killed off who knows but uh, well, we'll find out when it comes back in the autumn anyway on to uh, some sci-fi news. Katie Sackoff has decided to go back into sci-fi. She's got a drama called Another Life coming to Netflix. This sees her plays an astronaut called Nico, who leads a crew on a mission to explore the genesis of an alien artifact. She and her young crew investigate. They face unimaginable danger on what very well may be a one-way mission. Katie Sackoff, of course, is, is being best known for playing Starbuck in the rebirthed uh, version of Battlestar Galactica. She's also been uh, playing the deputy sheriff on Longmire for the last few seasons and has popped up in in The Flash as um, the blacksmith quite recently. So, uh, I don't know, Ed, this something that you you fancy? Well, it's definitely in my area, isn't it? I'm quite predictable. (laughs) (laughs) It's in space, everyone might die, and it has an intriguing title. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) and uh, the writer, interestingly enough, is Aaron Martin, and Aaron Martin was on the show last week promoting Slasher, which is his uh, horror show that uh, is due back on the 1st of May in the UK. So he's gone from writing sort of slasher horror TV shows to writing this big sci-fi thing. So uh, that's kind of interesting. The uh, showrunner is Noreen Halpern, who was a showrunner on Alias Grace and uh, Haven. It's also got some of the producers from Alias Grace, which is a a Netflix series. So yeah, interesting collection of people behind it. We don't know when this is going to land on Netflix. As I say, Slasher Guilty Party, which is the second season of that of Aaron Martin's show, uh, if you want to hear the interview with him, it was on last week. That lands on Pick TV on uh, 
Tuesday the 1st of May at 10pm. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm quite happy to see Katie Sackhoff back in a space drama. I think this yeah, could she's, be... she's a good actress. Yeah. Um, and I think if they've got her interested in it, they must have something good that, yeah. that's going on. They haven't told us a huge amount about it yet, so it's hard to judge on anything other than the fact that she's involved and Netflix has a very good reputation so far for, yeah. for its sci-fi because obviously we've got Altered Carbon, we've got Expanse, and those are both incredibly well handled and incredibly wonderful to watch. Yeah. So if they want to make another one that's of that caliber, then I will be binge watching it and not getting any sleep for about 24 hours. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they certainly have done very well with the sci-fi stuff. It's very rare they put a foot completely wrong with any of their shows. I mean, there's very, very few things they've cancelled after one season. You know, there's probably less than five shows that out of all the stuff that they produced that have not made it past one season. So, uh, I've, you know, I, I'm quite looking forward to that. I think it sounds very interesting. Um, I will also be trying to get Aaron Martin back on, I think, at some point when uh, we know a bit more about that. And uh, lastly, on the news front, Disney have ordered a new animated series from Dave Filoni, which is news we've been waiting for ever since they announced that Star Wars Rebels was going to be coming to an end. The new show is going to be called Star Wars Resistance. It's going to be set in the period slightly before The Force Awakens, which hasn't really been explored anywhere yet. The story follows I'm going to get this name wrong, uh, Kazunda Zioni, or Ziono, a young pilot recruited by the Resistance and tasked with the top secret mission to spy on the growing threat of the First Order. The series will feature BB-8 alongside ace pilots, colourful new characters and appearances by fan favourites such as Poe Dameron and Captain Phasma, voiced by Oscar Isaac and Gwendolyn Christie. Uh, so they're reprising their roles. Various other members of, of the voice cast, but uh, I'd not names that I recognise generally so um, Bobby Moynihan is one of them I guess but uh, the show is going to be created by Dave Filoni who is Dave Filoni's the guy behind Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels it's got basically the Rebels team behind it uh, the idea for Star Wars Resistance came out of in my interest in World War 2 aircraft and fighter pilots says Filoni my grandfather was a pilot and, he's, and my uncle flew and restored planes so that's a big influence on me there's a long history of high speed racing in Star Wars and I think we captured that sense of excitement and anime inspired style which is something the entire team has been waiting to do for a long time so uh, anime series for you? Well the Star Wars animated series is a, a pretty good normally Clone Wars kind of went up and down a bit but Rebels kind of went up and up a bit Yeah. so yeah I think this could be really cool I think this will probably please more Star Wars fans than the last film did Yeah I mean it's difficult because I really liked the Rebel style and the Clone Wars style of the sort of 3D version of it i've i've never been a huge fan of anime but i think this could be an interesting pick for it i i will be intrigued to see how the artwork comes out on that i, I don't know uh, we'll have to see what happens with it but um yeah i'm intrigued by this uh, certainly i think like you say you know clone wars was a bit up and down but rebels i thought they did a superb job with certainly from, they seem to have found what they're doing you know found their groove with the storytelling and this is an obvious point in the star wars history to pick out just before the new trilogy of movies uh, i think this is a this is a good point to pick up so um yeah and the idea of it being entirely based around the fighter pilots i think he's he's kind of interesting too it allows you to rope in some of the characters that people know which was slightly more difficult with rebels maybe so but i'm definitely looking forward to this i think it could be really good uh, it's going to premiere on disney xd in the uk later this year but we don't know exactly when yet 
So one to look out for. That's all the news for this week. Next up, we have an interview. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. So the interview this week is with the Jessica Jones costume designer, Elizabeth Vestoli. Uh, Elizabeth is a New York-based costume designer. She's worked in uh, film, opera, theatre, television, print, you name it, she's worked in it. Uh, she's also been a guest lecturer at the School of Visual Arts in New York and Carnegie Mellon School of Drama in Pittsburgh. Her work recently has included The Purge election year. She worked on Happen Leonard. She worked on film Landline, which was, we actually spoke to her about uh, doing the work on landline previously her latest job has been working on uh, jessica jones season two and she's currently working on daredevil season three as well so uh, we spoke to her i think the end of last year we wanted to get her back on so we could talk a little bit more about jessica jones now the series is out warning there are a few spoilers if you've not watched season two of jessica jones there are spoilers for that there's anything overly major but if you don't want anything to be given away then skip forward about 20 minutes minutes to jump over the interview here's the interview with elizabeth costume designer on jessica jones we will see you afterwards with some highlights for next week on tv hi liz hi how are you all right how are you i'm good thank you so much good good lovely to be speaking to you again yes likewise thank you it was uh august i think last time we spoke oh i know it's been a minute yeah <laughs> lovely to have you back on you're still up in new york you shooting things at the moment i guess yes actually deep into the uh third season of daredevil right okay yeah yeah <laughs> nice nice for those people out there that didn't hear the first interview. Do you just want to explain how you got involved with Jessica Jones? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yes. Well, it really was sort of a meeting of between agents. Um, I have the same agent as one of the uh, producers on Jessica Jones. And so they knew that they were looking for a new costume designer to bring on. And um, I was lucky enough to be put in touch with Melissa via one of the producers. And it, we, you know, talked a bunch I knew they were looking for someone who was New York based and sort of had that New York eye. And um, our initial discussions were really great. And uh, we just, you know, went from there. And I'm, I'm so uh, 
honored to have been brought onto the team and, and into the whole Marvel universe, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a great show to get involved with. Um, you, it's all female directors this time around, isn't it? I think it is. Yes, it is. That was amazing. And I think a decision, you know, prior to the whole Me Too movement upswing of all of that, it was it was uh, decided before then. So it really felt like something that was, uh, you know, on the cusp of something big and um and it was just an incredible experience yeah and it's uh, it's a f- uh, written by uh, a female as well and i mean it's a very female show which is awesome yes. so yeah you took over jessica jones in season two from uh, stephanie and uh, who, yes. who had done like defenders iron fist uh, luke cage daredevil uh, she's she's still around isn't she but she's doing is she doing other shows yes yeah, so stephanie um she at the moment is designing luke cage and iron fist yeah and uh lorraine calvert designs punisher and then now i've taken over the reins on jessica daredevil so it's sort of evenly split yeah yeah <laughs> it's a lot to do because they've they're doing like almost three a year now aren't they so they've compressed yes, an extra yes. show in so it's a lot for one person to try and do everything <laughs> yes yes definitely with you coming in in season two how has Jessica's outfit evolved in uh, this season? Well, I think, you know, there are ways in which it's evolved very literally, you know, in that we've sort of around middle of the season, towards the end of the season, we have an opportunity to switch pieces up you know, her, her outfit coming into the second season, it's very famously, um, just, you know, limited. And, uh, she, you know, I think prior to coming into Defender, she had really only worn one pair of jeans, right. uh, and, you know, she has her leather jacket and then just one pair of boots. And, you know, it really, um, it's kind of interesting because I, I have been surprised to learn, you know, how controversial that is with fans. Um, and, you know, it's an interesting thing to look at because, um, I, you know, when you take the sort of the wardrobe changes and the, and the clothing and out of, you know, away from a female character, for some reason that is uncomfortable for people, I think. And it's not that we don't have that on the show. You know, we have plenty of characters like Hogarth and Trish who change all the time and shop all the time. And, but there's something interesting about the way in which people, I think, you know, people get behind it and then also react to the fact that she, you know, basically sticks to a uniform. And, And so coming into the second season, we we didn't want to we want we didn't want to abandon that because it's something that's pretty core to the character and I think also just a really interesting and different way of approaching a female character in television and um, and it's very true to Jessica and it's very it speaks volumes about her and what her priorities are and so we kept with that but um, we did find ways to work in new jeans um we got her a new pair of boots different options on top and we sort of were able to breathe a little bit more into her closet and give the character a little bit more space in terms of you know different options she could have um it came through pretty naturally because at at, towards the middle to end of the season she goes through a lot of pretty ghastly stuff in her normal clothes and um we just sort of 
felt like there'd be a opportunity for her mentally to want to change. And so, uh, that was kind of where we were able to fit it in. But, you know, in terms of the evolution, I think towards the end of the, the season, just naturally by way of what we brought to the, to her closet, it does kind of feel a little bit more by the end, rugged, a little bit more, um, uh, visceral, you know, her jeans are way more ripped up. They're way yeah. more stiff. Her boots are a little bit more intense, a little less soft. And so I think by the end of the series, even though you see her kind of end with Oscar and with her, her family, even though she's kind of like emotionally, it feels like she's, you know, kind of opening up a little bit to Oscar and what that might be. And, you know, yeah. feeling like she ha- she's reaching out a little bit in terms of a family. She's still lost her mother and she's lost Trish essentially. And so I think the hardness and the stiffness and the sort of violence of that is indicative in, in how we leave her and, and sort of how we've evolved with her look where the jeans are stiffer and rougher and more ripped and yeah. uh, her are more intense. So I think her clothing by the end of the series is, you know, is indicative of that struggle. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you had an interesting thing you, you got to do this season as well is, is there are some flashback bits as well. Oh yes. That was so fun. And you know, it's interesting as, you know, being a designer coming into a season, coming into a series that you feel like has been established, you know, I mean, I think there are some characters where, I really was able to kind of overhaul them in a way, but with, Mm. you know, with Jessica, the main kind of core of the show, we, we stuck to her template pretty much. And so with the flashback episode was really a wonderful, like, time where I felt like I could really kind of put my own stamp on the character and have a little bit of ownership there in terms of her evolution and a part of her life before, you know, before she is who she is. So um, that was a really special episode, I think for, you know, for anybody, but also particularly for me, (laughs) because I got to like delve into the past of these characters and, and, and dress Jessica you know, head to toe and a completely different look. So, uh, yeah, that was great. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you, you actually see her get the kind of iconic jacket yes. as well. And that, which I thought was lovely. Yes. Yes. That was so great. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually like the idea that she kind of wears this uniform. It makes it a lot easier for cosplayers as well, of course. <laughs> oh, for sure. And you know, what's funny is any kind of superhero that wears a suit, yeah. nobody's wondering about that you know yeah. what i mean it's it's the minute that your her suit becomes things that are more recognizable and attainable to people that it becomes you know that be you know controversial in a way but actually yes it's way more it's it's nice for cosplayers it's also in the same you know as any superhero although of course jessica jessica would like bristle at that idea that she <laughs> yeah. is one but yeah. you know it's uh, it's just along the same kind of lines as, as costuming anyone in that way. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, how much input do the actors get into what they wear? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, you know, television is, is so fast and furious and it's so, there's so many cylinders firing at once that when I fit actors, it's really kind of an intimate time for just myself and the actor to really just 
talk one-on-one and pause for a second and see where their character is and what the scope of the episode is going to be and what they might and how that might be reflected in their clothing. And so it's very important to me for the actors to be to feel, you know, good and, and like their clothing is, you know, appropriate for the scene and appropriate for their mental state. And I only know so much of that, you know, I need always to be communicating with them to see where they're at and where they want to go. And, you know, of course I have direction from the director and the showrunner and, you know, and, and all of that, but there's really, it's interesting that it, because there's so much going on in television, I feel, and because the pace is so fast, you actually have an even more intimate relationship with the actor because you get to figure things out together. And then when you present a fitting, you know, for approval, then, you know, it's sort of, as long as you have something there that, you know, people are happy with, then you sort of, then you're good to go. You know, it's, it's rare that it becomes a big issue from episode to episode. So, um, I, I take how they're feeling and and very seriously. And especially with, with Kristen and Trish and Hogarth, I mean, the main players on the show, Mm. of course, you know, day players or smaller characters, it becomes a little quicker, but with those, the characters that have long season, season long arcs, it's really important to me that they feel kind of in sync with what I'm, with what I'm thinking. Yeah. And sometimes they'll say, you know, I just sat, you know, I just did this table read or I just read over the script and I'm really thinking like, I want to do this or that. And then I'm very happy to help, you know, to help them get there. So, um, it's a hundred, it's total 50, 50 collaboration for sure. Yeah. I mean, one character that I think certainly has changed most dramatically since season one and uh, actually goes through some fairly dramatic changes in season two is Malcolm. Yes. Um, yes. You know, particularly with his clothing as well, certainly towards the end of this season goes through some major changes with his clothing. So uh, yeah. how is it dealing with that character? You know, I think the end of season one, obviously season one, he had a lot of troubles yeah. uh, and his clothing wasn't as much at stake in terms of a vehicle that he could use to express himself yeah and i think towards the end of season one it got it went to a little bit of like a bookish place and they weren't so sure about that and so they came to me at the beginning of season two and said we really want this you know this malcolm really comes into his own this season it's a really like beautiful and more independent arc for him and we really want him to be able to kind of express himself that way and feel like his clothing is more indicative of, of who he is. And, you know, that being said, he's not a character like Trish that goes shopping every week. You know, we definitely, the goal at the beginning of the season was to establish a closet for him and then just sort of cycle through it the way anybody would, you know, week to week. And a lot of it came from Ika himself because, you know, he, he has a really lovely way of dressing himself. Um, it's a little bit more funky than Malcolm, but, uh, he's definitely is in tune with his body and what feels good and fits good. And, you know, we wanted to take a a note from that and then go from there. So my feeling was that it would still just be kind of tees and and jeans, um, but the fit of it would be really important, you know? So uh, we could see that he's more muscular. We could see that he's more in control of himself, that he's, you know, he's got his, his self together. 
physically um, and health wise. And and so because of that, he's able to kind of try to do more for Jessica, be there for her more and then ultimately at the end come into his own really. So um, that's kind of how we approach that. And I'm really, I think it was really successful. And then of course, the end of the season, we were so excited to put him in this suit, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, because he wears it so well and sort of his version of a suit, I think is very, is quite dashing actually. So yeah, yeah, we're really, Ike and I are very excited, you know, (laughs) to see where that character goes from here. Yeah, definitely. He's a very interesting art Malcolm was given this season. Yes. Out of the characters on the show, who is your favorite one to dress or to to put outfits for? Such a tough one. (laughs) Oh, it's hard. It can't, it's, you know, they really balance each other out um, in a really nice way. You know, I feel like if you were only shopping for one all of the time, it would get, it's difficult. Um, And they're also different you know the main characters and, and how they approach clothing and what they wear that they really balance each other out it's hard for me to choose <laughs> um, it's really hard for me to choose i mean it was really lovely dressing david actually david Tennant when he came back for that one episode because i knew i had like one shot to kind of get his look in a in an outfit and not have it feel too you know get the essence of it but kind of put my own eye on it. And, you know, that was really wonderful. He's, yeah. he's incredible. Yeah. I'm, I, you know, I would have loved to dress him first season, but I'm really lucky that I, you know, he was able to come back and I got, you know, my three weeks with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was very happy to see uh, Kilgore back on the show. He's one of my sort of two favorite villains out of that uh, first yes. run. I just thought he was amazing as Kilgore. So you, one of the other people that we spoke to back in September was Sarit, who oh, is yes. the makeup designer. How how closely are you working with the makeup department when it comes to the costumes? Well, v- very closely, um, because especially just in terms of the stunts and the blood and all of that. I mean, yeah. you know, there's a sort of there's the glamour part of it, but then there's also like the the violence and the you know the the reality of working on a Marvel show, uh, you know, that you get into every episode and you have to work practically, you have to work together, uh, because the makeup that they use and for, you know, all of that kind of blood and dirt and stuff versus what we use to put on the clothing are different formulas. I mean, what you're going to put on your face is not the same as what you're going to put on fabric. Yeah. So we always have to make sure we're matching and make sure, you know, if the, if there's something on the clothing that they've, you know, incurred in the episode, where is it coming from? What's the wound look like? You know, all of that. So there's that kind of more grisly connection that we have, but I mean, you know, we're there, we're together for eight months, you know, and there's no, I don't think there's anybody more closely aligned between a couple departments, you know, for hair, makeup and wardrobe, you know, we're all kind of working together to bring, to bring something, you know, to bring a look to alive. So, uh, it's, you know, I am, she's wonderful and, and it's been wonderful collaborating with her. Yeah. Yeah. She's really lovely. I mean, you mentioned that you're, you're in the middle of Daredevil season three right now, which yes. presumably is probably going to come out later this year, I guess, um, or possibly next year. But is there anything you could tell me about the new season? 
Oh gosh, you. I mean, unfortunately, the answer is no. Um, but I will say that it has been a just tour de force for a costume designer this season. It has just been like you know, I didn't think that lightning could strike twice, but like I coming up to Jessica was incredible, and then this, you know, it's a very different show. You know, yeah, it's yeah. very in so many ways, and it's a nice. It, it, it's been nice to sort of go back to, to go from one to the other. And, and you, you think in the beginning, like, Oh, you know, the first, you know, Jessica is mostly women. There's a lot of, they all dress in really fun ways and it's been fun to bring, you know, fashion to them and, and you know, all of that and coming to daredevil, what could, you know, how could that be topped? And it is right. It is. They are neck and neck. <laughs> this is, it's, it's a really exciting season. Um, I think everybody's gonna, I think fans are just gonna like, <laughs> it, it's going to be really where you can kind of feel the buzz. I mean, everybody is just like, wow, we're doing this now. And it's just, yeah, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry. I can't see, you know, I can't, if I want to keep working on it, you know, I can't say anything, but I can just say that it's, it's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's interesting the range that they've managed to find in these sort of interconnected characters because you've got this sort of noir detective drama with the Jessica Jones stuff and then you've got like you know Daredevil's far more out and out kind of superhero beating people up sort of thing and then you've got Luke Cage which again is his own thing and Iron Fist as well so it's uh, they've done such a good job of of making the shows part of a shared universe but very distinctive which i really really yeah. like so uh come to the the final couple of questions which we sure. asked we asked you last time uh if i don't know whether you remember but we asked you last time so we'll, we'll put these to you again see whether they've changed or not uh first of all what tv shows are you watching at the moment uh i'm watching uh silicon valley <laughs> yes. i love that show i also adore Absolutely that show you yeah. love that show and I'm also watching The Good Fight uh, oh, on yeah. CPS All Access, which is a, uh, it's just, I love Dan, the designer of that show. And it just, that's, I just, it's, it's great. I, you know, it's really, I loved The Good Wife and The Good Fight uh, yeah. is, is just you know, it doesn't feel like a sequel. It feels like it's its own thing and it's on its own two legs and it's just a beautifully done show. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, lastly, if you had the opportunity to work on any show past, present or future, which show would it be? Now, obviously you answered this last time, but uh, we'll see whether the answer stays the same. Oh, that's so interesting. Anything in space. I would love to do, I mean, this season of Star Trek, they're doing beautifully. If they ever re- revisited it i would do in a heartbeat i love i'm realizing that i love being a part of projects that have their own history and their own story and their own like mythology to them and then being able to come in and sort of like offer up what you have creatively to add to that is is just is something really special because you i feel like the one thing about film and television that sometimes can be difficult is that sometimes it feels a bit ephemeral you know and a bit fleeting and there's something very grounding and exciting about being on something that just has its very strong roots you know in the history of entertainment and just being able to come to it with your own eyes and be welcomed into it and is 
is is just very gratifying. Yeah, I I, uh, I mean, we've had a few people say Star Trek would definitely be the, the show they go to. So, uh, so yes, I, I think they would have a lot of people willing to work on that show. Yes, if they- <laughs> I know. Like, get in line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. Just, just in case you're interested, you said Fringe last time. Oh, well, that's still my favorite. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I still love that. I still love that. <laughs> yeah, or, or both, both awesome picks, I think, definitely. Yeah, for sure. All right, I, um, I shall let you go and get back to your day. Okay. Uh, hope, hope you're, uh, you're doing okay and have a uh, really good time if you're back to shooting again today. Thank you so much. It's always lovely to talk to you. Yes, we'll have to talk again when, uh, when Daredevil oh, comes out. Oh, you will. <laughs> All right, awesome. Uh, have a great okay. day. Okay, I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. So that was the interview with Jessica Jones costume designer Elizabeth Fastoli. Jessica Jones season one and two you can, of course, find on Netflix. Daredevil, I think season three is going to be out later this year. It sounds like it's going to be their autumn-winter show. We'll try and get it back on when uh, Daredevil comes out and we can do a bit more with it on that. Next up, we have some highlights for next week on TV. <laughs> Not that many shows starting next week, but given the amount of stuff that's out there right now, I'm quite quite relieved by that because there is so much TV on at the moment. Slasher Guilty Party, which is uh, season two of the Slasher series uh, by Aaron Martin, who we mentioned earlier, that's coming to Pick TV on the 1st of May at 10pm. We've got Siren, uh, season one of that coming to Sci-Fi UK on the 3rd of May at 9pm. This is the uh, mermaid drama where the arrival of a mysterious girl proves local folklore about the mythical see people turn out to be all too true uh, it's interesting this one because the mermaids are are not overly friendly from what i can see on this it uh it sounds like it could be quite an interesting looking show i don't know whether you've seen anything More like about this. the original version of mermaids they were never supposed to be these no these friendly creatures at all they were supposed to have kind of more i think the original versions were kind of tails but also some fishiness in the mouth and big teeth and yes they were supposed to just be something that looked beautiful for a distance but was actually quite terrible terrifying i know japanese folklore as well had something equivalent to mermaids yeah. which were terrifying things you didn't want to go near yes it's certainly closer to that than anything you know than about the little mermaid <laughs> yes don't expect ariel in this it's not that uh, it's not that nice by the looks of things it seems to have been going down fairly well in the u.s so uh, but that's coming to sci-fi uk on the 3rd of may at 9 p.m it's called siren there is a comedy series which has been picked up by e4 called lex get physical it's coming on the 3rd of may at 9 30 it's about a middle-aged slacker who makes a reluctant comeback to the fitness industry after his dad passes away and uh, wills him the broken down family gym. I Not particularly something that draws me to it, I have to say, in terms of a show. I'm sure it could be very, very funny, but uh, you know, E4 is usually quite good at picking up comedies, particularly the you know, when they're putting them in prime time, which this is. But uh, I, I don't know, could be entertaining, might not be, I'm not sure. And Blackish is back for its fourth season. That's on E4 at 7.30. Uh, that's a very funny show if you haven't seen it. Well worth going to watch. That's everything for this week, unless you've got anything else you want to put in. I don't think there's possibly room for any more. <laughs> no, I think I'm... we have covered pretty much everything there. Um, it's been a good few weeks. It's it been has. quite good with 
with adventures and TV and movies, and I'm sure there will be plenty more to talk about after we've both seen Infinity War as well. Yes, um, yes. If you're wondering why we haven't covered Infinity War yet, it's because neither me or Bex have seen it yet. However, Grey has, and Grey will be the co-host next week, and we will be talking about Infinity War next week. Also, if you're a fan of humans, you definitely, definitely, definitely want to listen to next week's show. We will be covering a lot of human stuff and mm. might have a guest appearance by Bex, even though she Things will be Things that not I here. couldn't say today. <laughs> yes. So we will be back next week. If you want to find Bex, you can find her at... Trista Bytes, spelt bytes like computer bytes, because I am doubly geeky, on all the social medias and YouTube. And also, obviously, my articles go up on geektown.co.uk as well. Every Friday now on the YouTube. That's the plan. <laughs> wow. Dedicated. Well done. It is, it is dedication. Um, and I, I did, which I didn't talk about this time, but I will talk about next time I'm on. But I went to EGX as well and did loads of indie game interviews, which was good fun. And those videos will start going up on my YouTubes hopefully soon as well. It's cool. been keeping me very, very busy. And uh, for us, if you want to find out any air dates or TV news over the next few weeks, and uh, I should also mention the upfronts, which are the uh, when we start to hear about all the renewals and cancellations over the next sort of couple of weeks all the upfronts are happening in the US so we shall get to know pretty much everything that's renewed and cancelled hopefully over the next few weeks so definitely go and check out geektown.co.uk because we'll be covering all the upfronts as we get news and stuff so that's for all that news if you want to get in touch with your questions and comments you can email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on instagram at geektown uk that's everything we shall see you next week bye 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 When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.